my, my parents divorced when I was very, very young. It was a difficult divorce and they both were um, just struggling to be adults, um, four kids and, uh, and a kind of a messy divorce. And um, I had to learn at a very young age to, um, to be empathetic to what they were going through, to what my siblings were going through, um, having, you know, what not significant trauma, but I would say a level of trauma at a young age shaped me, certainly, um, to be more empathetic and listening more carefully to the nuances of what people are experiencing. Thank you for tuning in to another Chuck Chat with Chuck Crumpton, where we connect real people with real conversation. We welcome your feedback and would love to know about the topics, people, and issues you are interested in. More information and listener-oriented content can be found at chuckcrumpton.com. Let's get to this. Here's Chuck. Thank you, Sarah. The goal of the podcast, Chuck Chat, is to have a vulnerable, real, and transparent conversation with executive thought leaders regarding issues of life and business with the purpose of encouraging professionals to success and significance. Guests are not given the questions ahead of time to promote raw conversation and candid feedback. So with that in mind, let's get rolling. My guest today, and I'm honored to have a lady from Atlanta, Georgia, who originally came from the chilly confines of Minneapolis, Minnesota, where she got her uh, undergraduate degree at the University of Minnesota, then went on to get a master's degree from Cornell University, something that a little bit, I guess, that we share in common. She is devoted to lifting up women and children. She does a social media event, 100 Days of Inspiration. She is the CEO of Kispard. And uh, again, she reigns currently out of Atlanta, Georgia, Please welcome to Chuck Chat, Carrie McGee. Carrie, welcome. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. Great to have you. And anytime we can pull someone from up north to the south, we feel like we've done a good job. You know. Outside. Yes. <laughs> yes. I might have to call myself a native now. I've been here 20 years. So. <laughs> I don't have that much of a draw, but I don't really have a Minnesota accent either. I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it's a real privilege to have you and looking forward to our, our conversation today. As I was looking at your, your background and your bio, uh, you are a self-proclaimed HR Sherpa. What does that mean? In the, in the simplest terms, for me, I, just as a backdrop, I started my career in HR um, in large corporate organizations, and I moved over and, and led some business functions in large organizations before I struck out on my own. And, and, and through all of that, what I would say is, at the end of the day, if you don't have your people function right, if you don't really invest in the talent of your organization, you can't elevate your organization. So you have to elevate your people to elevate your organization. So that term Sherpa is really, you know, heralding to the Sherpas who take us up the mountain, mountain to, to the greatest heights we can get. And um, I just have a big passion and strong belief that the best organizations understand talent, understand how to invest in talent and um, think about that in everything they do to, to run a successful and healthy business. Hmm. You're obviously um, 
neck deep, right? As a Southerner, we would use the term neck deep, right? In dealing with HR and just challenges of recruiting people, you know, developing those people, retaining those people, right? Watching them grow and develop. With COVID, the big C word, right? How has COVID affected what you do and the unique challenges that this pandemic has brought to what you do? Uh, there certainly have been a lot of challenges, but there's a lot of good that has come out of it, particularly in the talent space. And I spent a lot of my time advising CHROs and leaders in the HR space. And, and they have, uh, you know, for years, you'll hear HR leaders sort of saying, we, we want a seat at the table. Well, they have one now because uh, COVID really forced every issue around talent and how do you manage talent to keep your business running? Um, everything from how do you emotionally take care of your employees? How do you make sure that their physical well-being is good um, to keep them engaged and, and to make sure they feel cared for so that they will stay with you post COVID? How do you um, allow for flexibility to keep the business running and what does that look like? And then when you have that flexibility, how do you keep people engaged and enrolled in the organization? Um, and so what that has meant for me and what I do and, and for the people that I serve is that they have been the thought leaders around that business table to say, hey, look, if we wanna keep the business running, here are the things we need to think about and we need to get really creative about. And so the best HR leaders really, really came forward with some plans, with some ways of thinking about it, with some deep care for the people in the organization. And I think now, you know, a very positive side effect of the COVID pandemic is that organizations understand in a much more visceral way the impact of how they think about and care for their people has on their bottom line. And I hope to see that hangover sure. um, as we come out of this. Hmm. Interesting. What um, is your building your company? And as we've talked about, and as you have shared, you've got a really interesting background of a lot of big corporate experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the unique uh, I guess, advantage or, uh, you know, the opportunities you've had as, you know, the founder and CEO of starting your business and you're doing well, you're impacting people. Mm -hmm. What, what was the hardest part of transitioning from the big corporate job, you know, with the big salary and the covered parking or whatever, right? Maybe someone, yeah. maybe someone in Minneapolis started your car for you, right? Whatever. <laughs> Uh, or it was plugged in. It was plugged in. But, <laughs> you know, for because I, I talk to, you know, I get calls all the time from folks that are, and I'll get back to my question in a minute, but, you know, they, yeah. they could be displaced, furloughed, whatever. They may just be, um, you know, misaligned in their current position, you know, with their company or whatever, and they're looking for a transition and life has been tough, you know, for a lot of folks over the past year. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, have left that big corporate job. They're mm -hmm. looking at starting something, building something, right? You've done that in mm -hmm. your career. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part of leaving the corner office and going to the kitchen? 
Yeah, you know, I I'll say I'll say a couple things on this track. So I I was fortunate to be able to take a baby step. So I left when I left, I was working at Citibank um, and I was in serious conversation about my next role, which was going to be a general manager role running a small credit card portfolio. And at the same time, a company that had once recruited me into an HR role called and said, hey, we want to start up the Atlanta market. Um, doesn't exist. You'll have to start it from scratch. And I was able to do take that leap. So I decided I'm way more passionate about HR, which we've already talked about, than I am about enrolling people in a a credit card program <laughs> like it's a fascinating business but I you know my I don't have a love for that um so um I was able to kind of jump to that it was terrifying I had never done sales in my life so I had to learn business development um but I, I got to collect a salary along the way so I wasn't fully out there um and so I learned how to be a salesperson it was the first year I would say incredibly scary because I had to develop a whole new set of skills. Um, but what made it easy was that I was doing something I truly cared about. So it was once I figured out, oh, if you really love what you do and you truly believe you're making a difference in people's lives, it is so easy to talk to them about how you might be able to help them because you really are trying to help them. Um, and that does generate income over time. So I was, I was very successful at that. Um, and, um, you know, so that made it easy. That was kind of a stepping stone uh, to then kind of going out on my own and, and doing it for myself. Because what I learned in that is, well, I can I can generate a lot of revenue, but I'm giving a lot of it away if I'm working for someone else. Um, and so, you know, so here I am now doing it. And, and I actually have a coaching client who... Well, we've been talking a little bit about what's next for her. And she said, I just don't know, Carrie. I, um, I'm i so fearful about, you know, whether or not I, I could make it. And, and, and my advice to anyone who's thinking about this is, unless you embrace that failure is a possibility and you still think, yeah, but it's really what I want to do. I don't think you are really cut out to be an entrepreneur. But if you can think of all the options. So, of course, I've had several options to do other things. And every time I think about it, I think, no, but that's, I want to do this. I can't think of anything else I want to do, like more than I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay doing that. And I think if you have that, then you're, you will be successful because you'll just be so passionate about what you're up to. I hear the passion in your voice, uh, sense the excitement as you describe what you do, right? Mm-hmm. which is uh which is really really cool if if i'm a coaching client of yours mm-hmm. and i am you know 35 which mm-hmm. i used to be or 45 <laughs> or 55 or whatever and i'm i'm facing a career change a life change a mission change mm-hmm. and i knocked on your door in mm-hmm. atlanta mm-hmm what would, in addition to you, what you just said about preparing for failure, what would you tell me right off the bat? What, what comfort, what peace, mm-hmm. what encouragement would you give me uh, in my crossroads of life? I think that um, it, it, it sounds kind of simple, but 
you're not going to die. If you follow, you know, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to fail and then you'll be able to learn from that failure and, and figure out what's next. But if you don't do it, and, and my financial planner is one of my closest advisors always says, you know, it's so much better to say, I'm glad I did than I wish I had. Mm-hmm. And you never, you don't want to, you don't want to get to the end of your life and think of all the things you wish you had done. And if there's something you just really want to do, you're going to say you're glad you did. Even if it didn't work out the way you thought it did, you did it. (laughs) And you're going to be fine. I mean, we're our own worst enemies. We we have all these, you know, limiting beliefs about what we can do. And then once you get out and do it and just start doing stuff, you realize if you're following what you truly are great at and love, you're going to be fine. You just, you just have to not hold yourself back. As you are talking, I'm, of course, listening, but I'm also remembering, and this goes back uh, to 1997, I believe. So this goes back a while, but I remember that day that I had my, you know, executive Fortune 15 company job, uh, downtown Charlotte, overlooking Panther Stadium. Very, very, very good compensation package. Uh, my wife at the time was a stay-at-home mom, two children, and a big mortgage, two car payments, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. my mom was relocated from uh, Charlotte to another large city in the Southeast. And I remember that day vividly, as if, as if it were yesterday, of packing my little box of uh, family pictures and, you know, whatever, my little basket, Tar Heel basketball. And I remember walking to the garage, getting my car, and I remember the feeling of driving out of the garage for the last time, you mm-hmm. know, as an executive with this large company, mm-hmm. having to drive home and face my wife and my two little babies that love to eat, by the way. And <laughs> I was thinking, what now it was, it was a strange combination of being empty and being excited. I was thinking, you know, this just feels like the worst day of my life. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I made that 30 minute drive, my level of optimism seemed to grow and I reflected back and I, I still reflect back on, on that that day, mm-hmm. I remember it very well as one of the best days of my life. Hmm. That's great. You know, and that's not, um, that certainly is no, you know, nothing negative toward corporate America. Right. But I, you know, if for me mm-hmm. was the start of, you know, Chuck Crumpton as an entrepreneur, looking back, it was, it was one of the best days of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I say that to say this, certainly you deal with folks every day mm-hmm. that may be, they may be on that drive home and they're listening to us. Mm-hmm. What would you tell that guy, that lady on the drive home? What happens next? Mm. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I, I like this visual as you're talking about this, uh, Chuck, which is I'm thinking about a, a cluster of islands and you've been living on one island and you've been pushed onto a boat out into <laughs> the ocean. And that is a bit scary. But then if you look forward, you can then see, oh, I have some options to pick up from what's next and my life will be richer because I'll have a broader set of experiences and I will be able to explore a new side of myself or find a different a new level of joy in my life and I will grow and be better um but it is you know it's that old analogy of you've got to you know watch the shore behind you fade away so that you can look forward to the uh, the amazing possibilities in front of you that you get to go explore now um and I think if you frame it that way um, then you can be so optimistic about what a gift it is to be pushed outside of your comfort zone because that is where growth happens. It doesn't happen in your comfort zone. It happens when you push beyond what you know mm. and you take a leap of faith into um, the amazing possibilities out there. And I do think faith is such an important, whether for me it's not religious faith, but the idea of faith of just believing hmm. that things will work out because they always do. And if you can reflect back on the rest of your life, when have they not, they will. Right. <laughs> and if you can just remember that they always work out, you'll be fine. And you will not only be fine, you will thrive. You will find something new and exciting that never would have happened yeah. if you hadn't had to cut that, that previous ties. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you for that word picture, by the way. Right. That's, the shore and being in the water. That's beautiful. I think yeah. we can all resonate with that, you know? Yeah. That's cool. So you, you, you had that transition, right? From the big company, mm -hmm. you know, the big fortune 20 or 30, mm -hmm. company, whatever, right. You, mm -hmm. you sort of waded in not to overuse the water analogy, but you waded yeah. into right. A yeah. History and right. You know, at some point you said, Carrie, I am going to make it right. Uh, yeah. I can put food on my table. I can pay my mortgage. Right. Mm -hmm. I can, I can uh, put gas in the car or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what was that? What was that turning point for you in that, in that transition of life? Um. You know, uh, it's so interesting. Um, I, I think it was probably my first sale was mm. the the first time I, I won a deal. Um, I was like, okay, mm. I can do this. You know, um, it wasn't the biggest deal, but I I I I felt like okay, I'm I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's resonating with people. So uh, for me, that that was that was it. And look, it, you know, the thing I learned from that and what makes me really comfortable that I'll be successful hundred percent on my own is that it takes time. Um, and you just have to keep working through that process and you have good moments and bad moments. But if you can just remember that that first deal will come. And then once that happens, that's a watershed moment. If you are truly doing something that's of help to people, you will be successful and you have to just stay at it. Why do your clients enjoy working with you? Well, a, a couple of things. In the world I'm in, 
um, I kind of straddled uh, consulting and, and search. A lot of people in the, in those worlds have never lived in corporate America. They grew up in consulting. They grew up in executive search. They're quote unquote experts in that space. But you know, you and I both know. Um, if you've lived it, it's a totally different experience than that outside person coming in and telling you how to do your job um, <laughs> who has never really sat in your chair. So what, what people like about me is I, I've sat in their chair. I can be empathetic. Um, I can be consultative in a way that's real and not just theoretical. Um, certainly I can bring theory to the table where that makes sense. But I think my standout is just that I'm I'm one of them. I'm I'm part of the I'm part of the crowd. You know, I I get what they're I get what they're struggling with on a nuanced level, not just on an intellectual level. Um, and and that that's super helpful. And I just remember the numerous consultants I dealt with in corporate America. And I always, you know, I, I always had a bit of a skeptical eye toward those that had never never worked in in corporate America because I just um, I was feeling that they would walk away and we would be left with a, a whole pile of something we, we couldn't actually execute on. And, and whatever I do, I make sure it actually sticks in the, in the organization. And I'm there to be an extra pair of hands if I need to be, to make sure that happens. As I listen to you, Carrie, I, I have this sense and it's, uh, it's unfortunate not everyone can see our conversation, right? They, they have to listen to it. But what strikes me as I listen to you is empathy. Mm -hmm. right? You seem to be very, uh, just, just full of empathy with, with, with what you do. And I'm sure that uh, it transcends your life, right? Not only your, what you do professionally, but, but also personally, mm -hmm. do you think that is a gift or did, events of your life shape that empathy? Yeah, you know, so as a little side story. So I recently got um, certified in Hogan personality assessment, and I've forced my family members to uh, go through. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, uh, what's been interesting about that is the number of people in my family who just in their personality have, have empathy, but th that's the nature side of it. So that I think that is, you know, I think part of personality is just born into you. But then, yes, yeah, certainly life events. And um, my, my parents divorced when I was very, very young. You know, that forced on me, they, they just couldn't be present. You know, they, it was a difficult divorce. And they both were um, just struggling to be adults, um, four kids and, uh, and a kind of a messy divorce. And um, I had to learn at a very young age to, um, to be empathetic to what they were going through, to what my siblings were going through, um, and to really, you know, kind of cut everyone a, a little bit of slack, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think that that shaped me as well, is just um, having, you know, what not significant trauma, but I would say a level of trauma at a young age shaped me, certainly, um, to be more empathetic and listening more carefully to the nuances of what people are experiencing. That's, uh, I guess, a natural segue into probably the question that you have heard me ask before. Yeah. What was the toughest part of your personal life and how does that connect or shape to what you do now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, 
definitely that that's that's it um you know the uh you know the the dissolution of a family at that that age is tough right and uh and so it just it shaped me and, and what i would say about how what i haven't said about that that i think is is really important is that I had terrific grandparents, um, who filled the void that my parents couldn't fill. Um, and who then brought in their values into my life. Um, and so, you know, they were, you know, they were young during the depression. And so they brought values, um, like hard work is important, kindness and empathy are important. You know, I mean, you live through the depression and you learn very quickly how quick, how easily life can change on you. And so they, they had that. Um, and you know, they were just very generous and and loving people. Um, but they were also very clear about what was right and wrong. Um, and that you should always be high integrity in everything that you, that you do. Um, and so I think had, you know, my parents, had we not had that divorce in our family, I don't know that I would have had as much exposure to them. Um, and so I got the benefit of a multi-generational sort of parenting experience. What a great gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're the best. Oh. I, uh, I couldn't be luckier that they were such amazing people. What a great conversation today. We'll be right back with our guest in a moment. In July of last year, I had the privilege of selling my company, MedPoint LLC, a business I started in the tool shed of my garage over 20 years ago. The company became a largely successful global healthcare consulting firm with folks and clients like Johnson & Johnson all over the US, Canada, Europe, and Asia. Building on that success, I now work with leaders in all industries with my executive coaching outreach to set clear goals and objectives, to provide accountability to ensure success, establish sales and business growth plans, and to create a stronger, more efficient and profitable organization. You'll be really encouraged to see how a few hours of coaching will help you tweak a few areas of your professional development and grow your business. Go to chuckcrumpton.com to schedule a complimentary and confidential conversation with me. Now, let's get back to my conversation. Corporate executive to successful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. At what point did you feel like giving up? You know, I don't know. I feel like Every week I have a moment when I want to give up. <laughs> we all do. You know, like it, you, it's not easy, right? You, um, you have things, things don't work linearly when you're an entrepreneur. Um, and, and then you get these great, wonderful surprises out of nowhere. And so um, when I have those moments of disappointment, when I think a deal is done and it falls through or, um, when I see a new competitor come in and I think, oh, wow, that I wonder how that's going to affect my space. That can get disconcerted. But then I, I guess I just ground myself back in um, the idea of what I'm doing is unique to me. Mm -hmm. And um, that's my brand. And that's 
that's what's going to differentiate me. Um, not like any, other, just like every other corporation, you know, there are many people in the same industry, but they all kind of differentiate themselves based on their brand. Um, and so I guess at the end of the day, remembering what's special about me keeps me going. Mm, that's good. What sustains you through those difficult times? Just the idea, you know, honestly, Chuck, I think about doing any other thing and I'm like, nope, don't want to do that. I guess I'll have to just keep plugging away at this. So <laughs> um, just the conviction that this is what I meant to do. You know, this is this is my life's work. And um, if you're going to do your life's work, you have to take the good with the bad. And and if you want to ha make have the impact you want to have, um, you have to stick with it. You know, life is full of setbacks uh, and business is no different than that. Yeah. I heard Dave Ramsey, the famous financial planner. I don't know if you know him, but he's got a phenomenal, you know, outreach <clears throat> and he does a lot of obviously financial counseling, but I think some career stuff in there. And I heard him say one time, find something that you love to do and then figure out a way to get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Right. What a kind of a cool way of defining, you know, a, a career, not just a job, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. So, you know, um, I, I think I already said this on this call, but I, I was speaking with my financial planner the other day. We have our little annual check-in and, um, you know, me going into this entrepreneur route I was afraid he was going to take me to the woodshed. Like, you're not saving money. You need to save more money. And um, instead, what he, you know, what he said was, um, you know, here's your plan. Um, you're doing great. And, um, and, and we kind of talked about what that's going to look like. And so he made me feel better about that. And he said, here's, you know, kind of when I think you can retire. And I was like, look, you know, Ed, I, I don't ever want to retire. I'm doing this so that I will be loving everything I do. And it's, and that means money will, and I'm making the money I want to make. So it's exactly that it's, I don't, I don't ever want to retire. I just want to be doing exactly what I want to be doing. That brings out the best in me, you know? Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. And also encouraging, right. For a lot of us listening to what you're talking about. Again, we sense that we sense that passion and I find it to be encouraging and I'm sure our listeners will find that to be encouraging. Yeah. And I, I get it. I mean, it can, it can be, it can be scary, right. To, and I, it's not that I haven't gone through that. I've certainly gone through that. I mean, I stayed in corporate. I've had an entrepreneur spirit from day one and I stayed in corporate for 25 years because I wasn't ready, you know? So I completely understand that impulse and that need for security the reverse side of that is I've set myself up financially that I can do this and I'm not worried about the runway I need to get this thing really humming because I've been responsible and gotten myself to a place where I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to follow my dreams. So I haven't done it just haphazardly, but um, you know, so, yeah. so it's a balance, you know, I think you got, you, you've got, uh, you've got to think it through, but don't be afraid to do it either. <laughs> so That's good. That's really good. So outside of being the CEO of QSpired mm -hmm. and, and building a successful business from leaving your corporate world, how do you give back 
you're working, you're working your tail off, you're building a business, you've mm-hmm. done well. How do you give back? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I give up, I get back in a, a couple of ways. I, um, I think you mentioned it at the top. I um, am very focused on women and children. I have a huge passion about that. So I sit on the board for Girls on the Run um, Atlanta and Girls on the Run is a program uh, focused on girls grades three through eight, um, which is the time when girls start to really lose confidence um, and they um, they can lose their ability to really achieve their full potential. And so the program is designed around giving them the life skills to, to stay confident, healthy, and joyful. So that's kind of the mission of the program. So it takes them from third to eighth grade. Um, so I sat on the board for that. I, um, I advised to the Girl Scouts here, uh, helped run a program called Camp CEO, which helps high school aged girls interact with uh, CEOs and senior leaders uh, to, you know, figure out how do they think about their career. So they're usually juniors and seniors in high school. um, And it's a weekend long camp where we really just create a mentorship with them. And many of those relationships go on beyond that weekend. Um, and then I, I've participated with the Atlanta Women's Foundation, which is a foundation that only funds uh, not-for-profits dedicated to the health and well-being of women and children, which is the most underfunded group of uh, population for funding. Um, and, I, and I do that because women and children are the foundation of our society. (laughs) Um, And, you know, women end up, you know, with a disproportionate uh, responsibility for raising children. And so we've got to prop them up and we've got to prop children up and we have to help them be successful. So, um, so that's, that's what I do to give back. And, um, Hmm. and I think you also mentioned, I, um, once a year, I'll dedicate a hundred days where I will every day uh, tape a two to three minute video, a little bit of inspiration, and then raise funds for a program. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you have a, a website on that particular charity or some way that folks can just reference what you, what you mentioned? The, the best way to catch the, um, the hundred days of inspiration is via my LinkedIn okay. page. My, I, I'll tell you, my website is, uh, is in <laughs> construction right now. So people cannot eventually it'll be keysfire.com, but, uh, it's, uh, it's under construction at the moment. So, um, so yeah. And then I'm, I, as I mentioned, I'm going to do this little, uh, video series where I interview, um, one fabulous woman um, and ask her three simple questions. What brought you joy today? Um, What brought you joy this week? What obstacles did you overcome this week? And what most excites you about next week? And the idea is just to give women other amazing women and a a view into all the great things that they're doing. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Look forward to, uh, to hearing more about that because I think that's a fabulous idea. Carrie McGee, how can we get in touch with you, stay in tune with what you're doing, 
track you, not stalk you, but track you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple a couple of ways. Uh, certainly via LinkedIn, Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E dot McGee, M-A-G-E-E. Um, you know, my website is is qspired, Q-S-P-I-R-E-D dot com, again, under construction. You can also follow qspired on, on LinkedIn. Um, so those would be the ways to keep in touch with me. And uh, hopefully you'll see my uh, my video series appearing soon. It's going to be called Queen Cast. So look for right. that. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, the idea is uh, every woman's a queen and we're going to cast her inspiration oh, across that's the awesome. world. So, yeah. Awesome. My final question, if I'm writing another book and this next book is on life and leadership, what one descriptor would you say, Chuck, you have to devote a chapter to this one word? Um, for me, the word is dream. Mm. Um, and what I mean by by that, and it's some of the things we've already talked about is, you know, you, you've always got to have dreams, like what comes next. I, I recently heard Obama speaking and he said, you know, for happiness, you need three things. You need something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to. Um, and the dream part is the something to look forward to. So always have your dreams and some of them can be short-term and some of them can be long-term, but um, I think that's super important for overall health and leadership, really. I think people look to leaders to be visionary mm. um, and be thinking about what's next. Mm. So Awesome. I can't think of a better way to end our conversation. And I want to thank you, Carrie, for being on my show. I'm sure your thoughts will be uh, just a great inspiration to my listeners. So thank you in your busy schedule for carving out this time to talk and chat. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. Uh, and we look forward to all the work that you will do in your life and the impact you'll make on folks down the road. So thank you. Well, thanks for him having me, Chuck. It's been an honor to be amongst your guests. You've got uh, an impressive group. Uh, so. Awesome. You've got a wonderful story. I love your heart and your passion and uh, keep rocking and rolling. Thank you for tuning into another Chuck chat. I'm Chuck Crumpton. And I'm honored by your presence. Please consider giving us your feedback and leaving a review. We want even more folks to listen to these messages of hope and encouragement. We've been fortunate in the past year to be featured in publications such as Forbes, American Express, MSN, and others with over 105 million views. Feel free to email me at win at chuckcrumpton.com or visit my website, chuckcrumpton.com. Thank you for listening. We always appreciate your ear, your heart, and your feedback. Have a great week.